Hey guys, this is the conclusion of part two of the mental health episode with Chris Martin and DJ Sabotage. This episode discusses a variety of topics related to mental health and suicide, and it might be considered triggers to those listeners. We understand and respect the limitation to the listener, but we also encourage those to reach out for help and research all of the topics we're discussing today. If you are in crisis, please call the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And now the conclusion of Mental Health Part 2 on A, it's a podcast. I was not in a good uh, uh, spot. Even driving home, I had to just, it's 12 degrees outside. I had both windows down because I was so warm. Uh, I was sweating and I was excited to, to sit and talk because I was like, you know what? I know what we're talking about this week and I'm glad I'm having a bad day today because I can talk about it. Right. So I wanted to thank you for giving me this platform to like sit and talk. This is, we've been talking about doing this for so long. Now that we're actually doing it, I can't tell you how good it's making me feel and how uh, looking forward to it I am every single week so again thank you for letting me share and listening and you know taking that story on well I uh, you're welcome and and I'm a very private person um, and I'm I'm very shy person and that's that's one thing that kind of separates myself from uh, DJ sabotage to say the least because I'm very very shy and private so for me to even uh, want to do this podcast <laughs> is a lot for me like I'm staring at a screen right now and it's crazy to see it said recording because that's one thing uh, I was always sh- uh, shy about was being recorded and being on a mic so <laughs> right. to do both of those things when I was starting DJing it's crazy like it is and and to even do it in front of crowds of people was even nerve-wracking as well. So yes, I mean I have a I have a story as well. Like I've been bullied every day um, since second grade um, from my my neighbors to the school staff. Um, you know, been verbally verbally abused um by my parents and this was an everyday situation right and i understand like as a kid like i was you know some people would say i was spoiled and some people said i was just a bad kid but in reality i was just trying to understand everything so to wake up at at what 7 a.m to get ready for school to go outside and your the neighbor's kids is bullying you right 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 at the gate. Boom, ready to fight you, ready to push you down, ready to call you names. Uh, to go into a school to consistently get that from other students. Um, to be pushed up against the wall to almost breaking my nose from a gym teacher because he didn't like the fact that I I didn't stand in line correctly. My foot was outside the line and he literally 
football tackled me up against the wall, almost breaking my nose and saying serious, like obscene shit to me, um, to throwing my hamburger in the trash in second grade because I didn't like the way it looked. And the second grade teacher grabs my arm and, and, and forcefully, forcefully pull me to the trash can and force me to grab the hamburger from the trash, sits me down and says, you better eat all of this or you're not going to your next class. And I was forced to eat trash. Mm. Um, that was just second grade. Yeah. <laughs> and third grade was worse. Uh, fourth, yeah, fourth grade, fifth grade was worse every day every person i had to fight and like it was literally fighting was more important than education and coming home and god bless my mom and dad i love them to death so don't you know people out there don't think i'm bashing my family <laughs> that's not the case um but all i was really getting from my dad was if they take your eye out you take their other eye out right so all i was getting was education of fighting. So I didn't understand school. So then getting bullied every day, getting called gay because the way I was standing, the way I was walking, the, the, my interest in things wasn't equal to their interests of things. And it was it was a lot for a kid who all they wanted, all he wanted was uh, a friend. So Seventh grade was probably the, the last time I actually fought in school. Um, I remember uh, getting bullied because I sat next to a girl and I was sitting in his chair. He left me up. He punched me in the back and uh, told me to sit down with my black dot of yours. And that started a fight. And I remember blacking out. And this is seventh grade. I, I blacked out. And the next memory that I had was wanting to throw him down the bleachers. And uh, rest in peace to Tony. Um, but he pulled me to the side, and that's when I came to. And he told me, like, man, come down here, cool out, chill out, be cool. But the verbal just kept going. Oh, was that? Pardon? Sorry, you just cut out for a real long time there. Oh, shit. Hold on. No, you're good. You're good. It was about 15 oh. seconds. Uh, oh, 15 seconds. As I about last, yeah, uh, last, <laughs> last I heard was about throwing down the bleachers, and that's right when it cut out. Cool. Got it. So rest in peace to Tony. It's probably him trying to interrupt. <laughs> rest in peace to Tony. He pulled me to the side, and, and it really helped me out. And ever since that time, I realized that I was um, – I didn't know my strength. And I didn't want to hurt people. You know, that wasn't the case. It was fighting all the time. But that led to stigma, that led to trauma, that led to triggers of not being wanted and not being good enough, not being uh, okay to be with people, around people, uh, whatever I said or did was negative. Like, and even at home, you know, again, God, you know, rest souls to my mom and dad, and I'm not talking bad, but even at home, it was it was verbal abuse. My dad wanted me to be a basketball player where I wanted to be a movie director. 
No kid wanted to be a movie director when I was growing up. I wanted to. I loved what I was watching and wanted to be a part of it. And he wanted me to be a basketball player. So whatever idea that I had was shot down and said, well, I should have put a basketball in your in your crib, you know, <laughs> or that's or or that's too girly. That's too gay. That's and it's like I. You know, then I went from that to like, okay, let me try other things. I was really interested in in playing violin. I mean, that was in fifth grade. And I was like, well, that's too gay. That's too girly. Okay. And I had to sit in the back and watch everyone have instruments and play. So these are things that like was, was striking me um, at, at an early age. Um, and and this is the first time I ever said this to anybody. Seventh grade, um, I think it was before the fight, I tied my neck up with a stinging cord and was trying to hang myself. Um, it just got too bad. It got too bad for me. I, I felt I was alone. No, one's, no one around me helped me when I was getting bullied the way I was getting bullied. Um, the friends that I was around just, you know, didn't help me. And then when I came home, it was the same thing. And that was seventh grade. So you're talking about four years of constant beatdowns. Not saying that I never had good times. I did. But man, those bad, bad situations overshadowed the good times. And that was that was one of those moments where I I, I really felt I wanted to do that. Man. What stopped me was what stopped me was someone in my head said, "There's more for you. There's more for you." And I, I unraveled myself. And sat there and sobbed for the rest of the night until I fell asleep. So, again, had all these things continue after seventh grade. And then I had a choice to uh, either go from uh, public school to private school. And I said, you know what? Let me go private. Let me, let me try this out. Let me see how that goes. And then that's why I was experiencing a different side. I mean, and most people probably would call it racism or or a sense of racism. I it was it was segregation in sense that you know they they just never understood who I was. Um then I started dancing. That was when I first started dancing and people caught I caught their attention. And that was really the first time where I felt like, wow, people actually saw me for who I was of someone who just wants to create. And that was really great for me and felt really good. Um, but then dad had health issues and that was really uh, hurting his pocket. So he couldn't really pay the tuition. So when it came for me to be what a uh, freshman, sophomore, junior year he asked me if i wanted to stay at the private school go back to public and i said let's let's just go back to public 
I know what's going on here. It will save, you know, save you money. I don't want you to stress over it. So anyway, um, so the, the friends that I found, the friends, uh, the, the mentors, the DJ mentors that I had, um, all those years, I was still shy and very reserved because I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to show who I was. And because when I did, that became a negative. The mentors that I had stopped helping me because they thought I was getting bigger than I was, right? So they found ways to kind of shut me out. Jobs were the same way. Like when, when I was really into the job and really wanted to get involved with the company, really want to be partners with people like, hey, I want to be assistant manager. I want to help out. Da, da, da. Somehow I get shunned out. And it, it sounds petty to some, but in that moment, in those times, because I'm not really putting in full description, um, that really hurt my mental state because I'm like, I'm giving you everything that I have and I'm not good enough. Office Depot was one that I can definitely say that, that you saw with, uh, with. Oh yeah. <laughs> and how he was. And I got let go over him being a racist. Yeah. So those those moments really really hurt me and when it came to me being a dj it was the same way i couldn't really re express myself because i wasn't supposed to right and and as far as my dad like being such a such a strict parent it reminded me of joe jackson right yeah. so all that became triggers so for me, kind of showing myself out the way I was, was really, really big and heavy in my, uh, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it anxiety. I don't know what it was. It really, it, it was, it was, I just, I couldn't look you in the eye. I couldn't look you in the eye. I had to just like, okay, my job is here. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And I'm done. Right. And is is, I guess what to say or make it make sense is like Michael Jackson goes on stage and he becomes the best performer of all time, right? And then once the music is off, he is back to the seven-year-old Michael. Yeah, we I think we all put a face on at times, and obviously you can see where yours, you know, is coming from. And like you said it earlier too. You know, when I was talking, like, we've known each other for 10 years. I never knew anything like this that you went through. But that's never been, you know, the basis of our our relationship. Our, you know, we've always had talks, again, about music, uh, wrestling, empowering each other, trying to bring up the community. Um, and, yeah, the, the Office Depot, I... I unfortunately got, you know, to catch a, a side of because, you know, for those who don't know me, I'm, I'm a fairly tall, blonde haired, blue eyed, white guy, pretty atypical. <laughs> and I guess he just <laughs> thought I was one of the boys. And uh, I, I changed that, changed that record for him real quick. And uh, yeah, it, he never said anything, you know, direct because, you know, me and how that shit usually gets handled. But 
I just I yeah. picked up on some undertones and he just he made a comment one time. I think we had like some young kids in there. I think they were Hispanic or Mexican. I, I don't know. And he's just like, right there, that's that's what you gotta look for. That's that's how you lose the keyboards and the mouse or something like that. I'm like, or you go over there and talk to him, they might buy a whole ass computer from you, but he's like, not my experience. And I thought that was that was me right then. I was like, all right. I'm good with you. And I think three weeks later, I got a different job. Like I realized who we were reporting to. And I was like, nah, this, 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 is good. I'm good on all this. Like, but nah, I, right. I want to thank you for sharing that because, you know, you know, that's not something you, you could have told me that, like, obviously beforehand, but like with obviously the topic of the week, I'm so sorry you had to go through that shit, man. Thank you for feeling comfortable with me, especially like being able to talk about that. It's huge. And, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, because it says that part is such light for people to be like, oh, why would he just do that? There's people have levels of trauma and it stems and it and it and it grows inside and it has vines and it's hard to to even try to find help. Because, again, growing up, you had people who would say, you can't go to therapy. You can't do this. You can't go to a doctor. You can't, you know, you just got to tough it out. You got to walk it out. And a lot of times that doesn't work. Be a man. And, and be a man. And, and that didn't help for me. Fast forward to, you know, 2009 when, when my sister passed away from cancer um, and seeing my whole family sob and cry and well and even even my dad but then when it came to me that rushed up and said you got to be a man you got to be this got to be that mm-hmm. so then you know years later um like you said uh you know new job and you know came back to uh fye and became a store manager there um the same year got married same year have had a kid our first son firstborn um a lot of pressure started to happen and uh and then i was so face deep in the work where i felt like man we we got this now you know i i got everything that i needed i can be myself i can be focused i can be you know no one can tell me anything now because i have everything that i wanted and that's the store manager job that's the marriage that's the kid got a new car like everything was lining up so i was face deep in it and to that was what 2015 and on uh mother's day of 2016 I come to realize that my wife cheated on me and's been and, and was four months of an affair. So when I come when I discover that everything that I mentally worked myself to overcome came right back to that seven year old Michael. Holy shit. And I crumbled. And I crumbled. My firstborn 
wasn't even two when I found out. And he he still is today, but at the time he was my best friend. Nothing, nothing can't separate me from him. And I looked through him. I was gone. I was gone and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go and everything became autopilot. Uh, I started drinking heavily. I started smoking, never did. And I remember driving and just wanted to drive off a cliff. I, I wanted the car to, to lose a bearing. I wanted something. I wanted something to, to end it. And I was gone. I, I didn't talk to no one. Um, and I functioned working, but I never talked to anybody. Like if I was talking to people, no, no recollection. I would just on go. I would just on go. And that that stemmed from 2000. Yeah, that stemmed from uh, May 2006 um, to September. And I started uh, counseling. And uh, then that's when the, the, the therapist said, hey, try B12, like super complex B12. And I did. It was working. Like it, it whatever feeling I was having, it, it definitely calmed me out. I, I had weird moments, but I was able to kind of recognize them. Very weird to say that, but I, I was able to recognize them. So October, November, I started to become myself again, kind of have a, a bit of a balance. And then my father passed away to two days after Christmas. And I talked to him the night before about, you know, uh, watch, watching our son. And the next morning, my wife took my son to see them, you know, to drop them off. And she immediately calls me and she says, you got to get here now. Ran all the red lights that I could and saw him saw him there uh gave him cpr but i knew he was gone um my son saw it my wife saw it my mom saw it and after that we we up i i just took the initiative and said we're going to uproot our house we're going to move with mom um she can't be there by herself and we need to help her. We need to do everything that she wanted to do in that house. So we got to find everything to make her happy. So therefore, that's what I did. Um, but that hit me so hard because that was my Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was the king despite what he said to me. Despite all the bad shit, he was still my father. And... And I learned a lot from him. And to see him weak in that matter just didn't work. And that crumbled me right back <laughs> to the seven-year-old Michael. Right. Because it was the same, like, if it was the same year, like, are you serious? Like, is this, 
Is this a sign is what I was thinking. Is this, what the hell is this? And I was blaming God. I was blaming the energies. I was blaming the spirits and say, what are, what is there? What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? And that's why I started drinking heavier. And I'm talking about 24 packs a day of beer. And I drowned myself for two weeks in beer every day just to numb it out, just so I can sleep it. Well, even, and, even I'm still processing them because, you know, and, and again, I'm going to have to apologize because you probably don't even remember it. Maybe you do. But again, for anybody that knows me, like my – my like, hey, how you doing, bud? Is like shitting on each other. Like, that's just kind of how I grew up. It's like, you know, you see an old friend after a while, and you just you mess with them a bit. Like, hey, you getting old on me? You getting fat? You know, like. So I'm gonna have to apologize because as you as you're telling me all this stuff, I'm, 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 and for anyone that doesn't know, yeah, uh, me and Taj have hung out, you know, outside of work and stuff like that. But a big majority of it is every month or so. I'm in the mall. I always go out of my way to go down to FYE, see if he's there. If he does, we catch up. We talk shop. He shows me what music I should be listening to because he always has the hottest shit. But I do recall a time in this time frame where you put on some weight. And uh, I remember us having a conversation about uh, you were having some struggles in the house you were renting. They were doing a lot of uh, really messed up shit. Um, and I can't remember the exact details, but I think you told me like the heater went out and it was cold out. And then there was like a busted window or something and that you were struggling really hard to try and find a new place to go. And I just remember uh, your son was very young. Um, and I'm thinking that if my time frames right here, it's probably around the same time. But I just remember seeing you and giving you some shit like, hey, you're getting that dad bod finally, huh? So I just want to apologize for that. And, and again, um, you know, it, and again, that's my personality. You obviously know I meant nothing by it. We always, you know, we used to ice each other back in the day and you just, you mess with each other as friends. But like, again, people like, you never know what other people are going through. So, and, and even I'm trying to do that better in life is, you know, I, I had an employee leave and then come back. And yeah, he, when he was off with COVID, he put on like 40 pounds and I gave, you know, I was like, man, you left you a buck 50. Now I got you at 200. Were you trying to jump into the heavyweights weight class? Like, <laughs> you know, and because and he was a drinking buddy, you know, we worked together, but like he, we'd stop after work for a beer. So that's how he was too. He saw me. He's like, well, I see you just getting older and uglier. Like, you know, but again, you never know what someone's going through on any typical day. So if that's how your friendship is, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, I've got certain friends that, you know, they've had people pass away and, you know, we still give each other shit because that's how we just are. But if you're one of those people that go out of your way to be mean or say mean comments to somebody, like, you never know what they're going through. And like I said, I just wanted to take the time to apologize for that, which I, I know you. I, I don't have to apologize. You know my intentions and who I am as a person. Um, but, man, I just I'm still processing all, all of this that you're throwing at me. Um and it just, it fucking sucks. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, uh, and like you said, everyone has 
those just vines of trauma that just you never know where they stem from how deep they run and uh yeah i'm just i'm 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 in shock because you always had that face put on and and i can agree with that you know i can understand that one is it doesn't matter how bad things are getting you throw the smile up and you you do the high fives and the how you been? Oh, everything's good. You know, just raising these kids. You know, the Midwestern, like, oh, but it's all good. Just getting by. Chances are that person's probably going through some shit. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. No, it, man, you're you're good. I mean, it's it's you know it it sucked. Um, but it went okay. So I'm trying to get this through because I never really talked about it in that full of detail in that way and and even then like the story i'm telling you i'm giving you a rough draft because literally every single day i was struggling badly with depression and and self-esteem i never thought i was good enough so even during those moments that you mentioned about harry's i couldn't i couldn't be i couldn't fathom myself to say i was good that night like, even if we got to the point, like, the EDM uh, night, right, when there was literally 20 people or whatever, right? <laughs> and and I remember grabbing a mic, and we played, what was it, Sandstorm. And I remember going down to the floor. I'm telling people, I'm going to be with you guys. And we were pumping our fists to the ground and and, and doing that midway Jersey Shore <laughs> style. And, and once that beat dropped, we were all like, boom. And I remember turning my head and seeing you and you had this holy shit face. (laughs) And, and to be honest with you during those moments, that was my clarification that, okay, this did that worked, (laughs) you know, Ah, but yeah, but I was, I was depressed that day. I was literally, and, and it sucks to say, because a lot of people who think they know me will argue and get mad and be haterated and whatever. But I literally suffer depression every single day, even if it was the greatest day. I couldn't fathom myself to say it was a good day because I was always walking on my own eggshells. If I said something wrong, it's, it's rejected. If I did something wrong, it's rejected. That was every single day. So even if I tried to be a Superman, no one was being Superman to me. That's the problem for my story. Because even down to my dad's last breath, and I felt his lukewarm body, right? I was trying to be Superman. But when I was cooped up in that house, because I, I, I would never leave my mother, right? So I was cooped up in that house. No one came to ask me, are you okay? And let me take, let me take a couple steps back. There were, there were a few people that did, and I, I appreciate those. I can't name them out loud like that, but I appreciate those because they did came in. They helped clean the house. They helped, you know. But when I was at my lowest and I said it on, on social media, I posted it, you know, in eager moments. Um, and there was a time that I did put it on live. 
where all I needed was a day off. And someone was supposed to watch watch over mom where we only took two hours to watch a movie. And when I came back, that certain someone didn't that wasn't there. They sent me a message saying that they were leaving while we were watching the movie, leaving mom by herself. Now keep in mind, let me let me pause it. She had a stroke in 2013. Not saying that she couldn't really do things on her own, but there are certain things that she just couldn't do, like certain couldn't can cook certain things, right? Right. So she always needed dad to kind of, you know, go out and get food and things of that nature. So when I came back from the movie, my uncle was there and he was going the fuck off on me. How dare you leave your mother by herself with no one to attend to her and you're, uh, you're, fuck, um, your so-called son and all this like belittling shit. And all I can think about was the seven-year-old Michael. That you're 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 being a girl and, and you're being gay and how dare you and all this negative energy. And I went off. I went off. And mom which now discussing with my sister, we're, we're trying to figure out she had more of a health issue than that we knew because she started to side with him. <laughs> and she was believing that she was there by herself. In reality, she wasn't. So it got to a point, that was my tipping, that was a bullying point. I went on Facebook Live. And I shared my story to the eight people that were there. And and that was the night that I took my dad's gun, cocked it, and was ready. And the motherfucker jammed. Jesus. And I sobbed so hard. In the same house that I tried to hang myself. Right? So, mom started to get strokes. This is about March. She started to get strokes so many times that she didn't have symptoms. <clears throat> so she would just stare at you and literally was getting symptoms. Um, and that led her to go to the hospital that led her to go to multiple hospitals to where uh, she went to the hospice and she later passed away. Um, by that time, I was numb. That was it. I, I had no energy left to deal with anybody. And that was done. I was done with all of it. Whatever I was doing after it was whatever. And um, I just, that was it until we moved here and I still struggled with depression. I still struggled with anxiety and all that. Um, but then the pandemic happened and I jumped on Twitch 
and that changed everything. And what I mean by changing everything was I was able to be me. I was able to be myself, uh, be the goofy side and really share my, my thoughts. Um, and that led me to an invite to California um, where, I where I spent a few days at and met so many DJs um, there to, you know, being able to be in Florida and meeting the, the, the two craziest freaking paranormal activity celebrities uh, <laughs> that I still talk to to this day. And, you know, to meeting one of the coolest DJs and meeting and being able to be in, in part of his world as well. So I thank you for all those who are listening and know what I'm talking about. Thank you to each and every one of you guys because you have no idea how much that kind of changed me into being who I am today. Um, I still struggle with uh, low self-esteem. Um, and I, I slightly struggle with, with depression. But as far as that is concerned, I look at depression as, all right, motherfucker, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do, I do have my, my moments of not feeling like I, I'm doing something right. Um, that stuff I'm, I am working on. Um, I need to connect myself into saying that I am also sabotage. Because when it comes to sabotage, I, I treat him as a third person as I am doing now. Um, like a Bruce Wayne and, and Batman kind of thing. Right. But I, I'm working on it. Um, I'm working on it a lot because I know there's there's an other end of the tunnel that's so much better than the current uh, track I'm on right now. And also, you know, I have kids and they see this and they they love what sabotage is doing. See what I'm doing there, <laughs> and 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 is really awe inspiring to doing stuff like YouTube. So I know it's working. I just got to let myself know that it's working and just take one, one step at a time, one day at a time. So there's my story, Chris. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack, my friend. <laughs> and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's wild because, you, you know, 10 years is so much time to talk to someone or uh, know them or think you know them. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, just personally, not, not podcasts, not, you know, code names or any silly bullshit. It just, it's, it's really hitting me on a level of thinking like of the friends that I've lost. Like you obviously know my one friend that overdosed a few years ago and uh, yeah, it just, the thought that that could be you, the thought that it could be, cause I mean, we've, we've been talking, you know, shit about doing gaming podcasts. We've talked shit about getting together and doing that. Like we're, it, me and you have always been kind of that, you know, when we were working together, I think we hung out a lot more, but every time we saw each other, we're like, we got to do this. We got to do the next big thing. So just the idea of thinking that that would never happen again, just, it really breaks my heart. Um, and I'm really, I really am, you know, sorry that life got you to that point. 
and I'm even more sorry. There's nothing more I could have uh, done about it. Um, and definitely without uh, not trying to sound um, heartless uh, at all, but obviously like with what I went through with my friend that overdosed, you know, I, I put everything into that. I, I, I paid for rehabs. I, when no one else let him stay at places, I let him stay at my place. And after that, I realized that, and again, this probably comes from being as egotistical as I am. I'm like, but this doesn't make sense. I put in all this hard work and he still died from drugs. And then that's when it clicked for me. It was like, you can't fix everything, bud. Like, all you can do is try to be there, be supportive, and try to give your friends whatever they need to be self-repairing. They don't need a repairman. They need help self-repairing. So I, I would love, you know, to sit here and be like, oh, well, the next time you're feeling down, bud, you call me and I'm going to fix it for you. Because I've realized in life that that's not how it works. But right. if you do ever need anything, that can help you self-repair, I want you to know that I'm here for you because I know it can get low. And I, I'll have to be honest, like, I've never been in that situation. I've never once disliked life so much or been through so much, I thought this has to be the end of it. You know, now I will say this, that when I was drinking the way that I was drinking for 12 plus years, it, it probably looked like I was trying to kill myself. And I mean, I probably was. I've probably done some damage to this body. I'll never be able to fix. Um, but no, I've never I've never been in that position where, I, you know, I hadn't thought about life being so precious and so good that I wanted to end it early. And I'm, I apologize to anybody that has. I, I it, it's, it's unfair to sit here and fake nod and be like yeah no no i know what you went through i i don't i don't i think people need to be more honest about that that just because you have depression or just because you have anxiety means like oh i know how somebody with schizophrenia or suicidal thoughts feel you don't everyone's journey is their own and the best thing you can do i think is do what i'm about to do right now and just tell taj thank you for sharing i hope by you talking to someone about it it feels like there's a weight off you. I know when I shared my story, it felt good. It felt good to be honest about it and just be like, and again, I could still consider myself an alcoholic to this day. I still have days where I drink heavily to say words like that is I understand why AAs work and rehabs work because just to say it takes a, a certain weight off. So I'm hoping by sharing that, that a little bit of that weight came off you. And I want you to realize that, like, I really do look at you like a brother. I mean, I really, really do. Anytime I've ever had an issue or anytime we've ever wanted to talk about something, you've always been there. You've always answered the call. So I just want you to know if no one else is available in life for you, I will be. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I appreciate that in the deepest of my heart. You you made this cold, hard, warm, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I definitely appreciate it, and I thank you for it. And you were the first person uh, to call for this podcast. So that means something. Um, that also meant that I had this in mind. I just needed – I just needed the ball to get rolling for this 
topic to to come up uh, for others out there to really hear it because people people know you know and hopefully our stories that that people can hear uh, hopefully it's not a trigger. Um, I say that boldly because ironically enough, people who go through this with anxiety or with depression or suicidal thoughts, they know about yearly stuff, right? When, when, it, when it becomes an annual thing, it's not, um, it's not just, oh, I just trip over a crack on this pavement and oh my gosh, here I am again. No, it's the moment happened at this particular day, at this particular time. And when the year comes around, I'm going to feel it again. Yeah. And all the emotions come rushing right back. And that, that is something that I fight fought against. And I still kind of fight against um, when it comes to those three things. Um, you know, Christmas, uh, you know, somewhere things is, is literally Christmas, Thanksgiving and Mother's Day. And that was when the whole affair started. But uh, and, and I feel it. It's something in it that just triggers. It, it's not me pressing a button. It's literally when I when I know the time is around. Is when I feel pissed i said aggravated <laughs> and I, I i and then now like before i feel aggravated and i just be right right now it's like okay i feel it i feel it coming give me give me a moment let me let me go in this room let me go outside let me get a breather and now like i let like my wife i let my wife know like hey i'm having a moment real real, real quick let me go outside real quick let me breathe this off you know what i mean like i recognize it now but uh and i i was vocal i to be honest with you i it revealed it to my wife uh, about my thoughts i think i want to say a couple months ago and i brought up chris carnell right and when he passed away it was in may 18th of 2017 and it was a year after the affair, excuse me. And I told her, I, I explained to her when that year happened, it was the first year, my feelings wasn't right. And then when Chris Cornell happened, that was a trigger for me. And I dove into his uh, death down to the instrument that he used. It was very dark. Not like I was going to, but it was to, to be very raw. It, it almost was like, huh, I wonder how that felt. Right? Right. And when Chester passed away, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, who those who don't know, uh, when he passed away in July 20th of that year, I believe in paths. I believe in, in spirits. I believe in things guiding you somewhere. Uh, a guy I know, I 
caught contact with him. And, and keep in mind, this is 2017. This is the year after my dad passing. I'm trying to figure everything out with my mom, but I was still kind of zoning out. Um, he he invited me to go to, I want to say it was Cincinnati, but whatever was the, the concert that Linkin Park was supposed to be at, uh, there was a group of people who, who, had, who had an organization that wanted to um, have something at the spot that Linkin Park was supposed to play. And it was um, very, it was amazing. It was amazing uh, turnout. People were out there. People talked about suicide. People talked about mental health. Um, and they played, you know, um, Lincoln Park music. And it was really warm, heartwarming and chilling at the same time. And he does, he didn't even know, right? He didn't even know that was going through the same thing. I was going through those demons. So me just being there opened a lot of my eyes of what was the aftermath. Right? And that that helped me understand. So those who are listening to this podcast know like triggers are one thing, but no, it the aftermath is the worst. To know that you're not going to be present for someone's birthday that you love or your children or, you know, your friends, anything. And they are set there to weep on your behalf because you couldn't fight those demons. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's, it is out there. And... And yeah, so I, I, I thank you for saying all that and you already know how I feel about you. And I, I, I you're my brother and minus the Joe situation, I knighted you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not give him any ammunition to cancel me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I knighted you. So that, that, that says in <laughs> Oh, that'll have to be a story for a, a lighter lighter <laughs> um very much so yeah that was that was a great night but yeah no seriously guys um again I, I can't tell you how much better i feel um having these conversations uh are they uncomfortable yeah uh does it have a little weight to it for sure um but i feel better about it um i feel like you know literally you know if no one listens to this at all Tonight was a great night. Yes. I, a, a relationship that I had with somebody and I've had for so long that I thought, I know how they think. I, this is why this we have the same opinions. You know, it grew. And again, as the world's getting smaller, you, you got you to gotta grow your tribe a little bit, you know. And so for me, this is a, it's, it's a very big deal. Um, just, again, I, I, sometimes I'm not always the best, like, putting my thoughts into words instantly sometimes i'm good sometimes i'm not but you guys have to understand is like somebody that i've known for over a decade dropped a lot of bombs on me tonight some very very heavy bombs um you know i'm not gonna sit here and out taj on what you know i knew didn't know you know things like that because you know that's 
I don't know if we're quite there with the podcast yet about, you know, I think we're being pretty transparent about a lot of things. Um, but just like, if you haven't noticed, we, we haven't really used our kids' names. We don't, I don't think either one of us want that out there for any real reason. It's not that we're not trying to be real. Uh, I think we're just, we both understand like this is a, it's a messed up world we live in. And somebody again on TikTok or YouTube one day might have three people listening to them. The next day they might have 10,000. Um, I know I've seen a ton of videos of people having to move and stuff because people have, I'm not sure what the term is, like scat them or whatever. You essentially give out all their information. And so like, you know, we have families to think about. And so for him to even go into that deep of it, I think it's, it's amazing. Um, because yeah, I thought I was kind of oversharing a lot at first. I was like, I don't want to bog everything down, but um, yeah, bud, for you to just respond to this. And I know maybe how they were feeling at that time. So uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, thank you for sharing that, man. That's, that's huge. It, it's a, it's a really big deal. So <laughs> I know there's a lot. I, I apologize for dropping me bombs over bad day. Shout out to Outcast, oh. but yeah, I, it was. I I had to share. I think you know, for us to start this podcast, I, I have to re- reveal. I guess you know because a lot of like again, a lot of people believe they knew who we were um especially me and to know so much about it i mean (laughs) will it help me will it hurt me i don't care um i i'm just glad that i'm able to be comfortable of sharing it because if the time that you came up and and said you know you (laughs) you're building up that weight if you sat there and set me to the side like brother what is wrong with you i probably wouldn't be able to tell you yeah because i probably didn't know the words to say um and and like you said with uh with your friend it's and that's that's the one thing i can say on this podcast that it's easier said than done right absolutely you can you can reach out you can help you can you know take them to facilities you can help them housing and all this stuff but I'm only saying this for myself and I can't speak for others, but it takes the individual to say, I can change. Yes, it does. And even then they have to say that every day. There's, there's no hiccups. There's no cheat days. They have to say it every day and mean it. Um, because demons are real and they come up to you and they find you in so many ways even if it's a manifestation of a real person to the littlest voice in your head they will come at you and you have to find ways to shield yourself like a role-playing game and level up and say what do you have because you're not going to kill me that's the point. What makes what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and there's proof in that. Yeah, and so and that's the you know and that's the hard thing too because like we were talking about like be a man. Da, da, da. 
you have no idea how easier that journey is with with friends and family um you can try to do it alone i think and i think to an extent part of that journey is alone because you have to get yourself to the point of accepting the help of others but once you can get to that point of being able to lean on others man man does that road get easier but you got to get yourself there you know it's it kind of sucks, but you 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 have to. You got to get yourself to the point of realizing, like, okay, if I get people involved in this to help me get there, damn, does it get easier? I mean, it just does. I the second I realized I wasn't as badass as I thought I was, and started talking to people about my issues, oh man, it it was on. Then it was like, oh yeah, I've dealt with this, and like I said, the 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 includedness of it, uh, you know, or the inclusivity—I'm not sure the exact word—but the second I started realizing that other people had experiences, and then they shared their experiences, and that shared this, and like it became this thing of like, okay, this is normal, so we're good. Normal's good. Like it makes you feel better. So involve people talk to people make it the second you take the stigma off of whatever is ailing you you're better for it it's no longer a stigma at that point and you can address it like you could address a common cold there's there's a cure for everything and if not a cure at least a band-aid hopefully the band-aid lasts long enough for a cure to come around but yeah just just don't be afraid of it dive into it lean treat it like a Treat like a shitty rumor. Lean into the rumor. Like lean into the problem. And like Todd said, you could just you gotta get through it. You got to. I think life's too precious to not. Too many people are dependent on you and they need you around. So stick around and do it for them. So that would be your final word. That's my final word. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for someone else. Because some people don't look at themselves as enough. And that's fine. Until you can get yourself to a point where you don't look at yourself being worth anything, realize that there's other people in this world that do. So do it for them. That's my final word, my brother. Final word. <laughs> <laughs> my final word, love yourself, know yourself, and know that you are strong. You're strong beyond belief. Do not let your mind tell you anything. And just be you. Love you first. And I'm talking about everyone from the straights to the LGBTQ plus all of you love you. Fuck them. That's a shirt. <laughs> that is a shirt. That is a shirt. I love it. Love you. Fuck them. All right, Chris. This is the moment where you tell people where to follow you. Oh, crap. I have it wrote down. Hold on. <laughs> Again, yeah, on Twitch, you can follow me at CTGMartin10. Um, I am working on a couple different platform stuff. Um, I actually excitedly uh, was going to tell Taj after the podcast, but I have picked up a couple toys. That way, when we do decide to take this thing further, because I have no doubt we will, Got myself a nice mounted swivel microphone. I'm getting myself a mobile uh, mobile mounted uh, webcam. 
And I actually ordered a studio mic that I've been trying to get my hands on for a couple of years anyway. Lacked the motivation. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I put in some overtime when I knew we were going to start doing this a couple of weeks ago. Check finally came through. So, that money, I was like, this is what it's for. So, we're going to have some better equipment coming through. Um, and, yeah, so I'm working on, you know, setting up a couple different platforms eventually. I have an Instagram. I don't use a lot. I have a Twitter. I don't use a lot. I want to make some new ones anyway. I like to keep some of my personal stuff personal. But as we're setting those things up, though, obviously every week we'll start we'll start plugging some new ways to kind of get to know us a bit. And hopefully we'll get to know some other people as well. Absolutely. And myself, you can find me in all the socials because I am socially fanboyed. <laughs> <laughs> people don't really don't realize how much of a rock you, they like you had to drag me out from under he's like you gotta you gotta do this with me it's gonna be great you, we love the conversation i'm like oh but there's people and there's like but obviously now you guys have gotten to know us a little bit better this very telling episode of why we are kind of maybe the way we are so we're looking to hopefully break down those norms like i said confront things like this isn't always going to be the most comfortable thing for me and that's okay if I get more used to doing this, that's how you break it down, you make it a norm, and you deal with those problems. So that's what this whole episode was about. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear it uh, and embrace it the way it should be. Um, again, yeah, you can find me on all the socials, DJ Sabotage, S-A-B-O-T-A-J. All the socials, especially on Twitch. You see me on there a lot and Instagram. So Everybody, thank you again for listening to our podcast. And like I always say, stay positive, love one another, and later days. Much love, everyone.